Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Welcome to episode 21 of the pod. How are you guys doing? I hope you've been having a good ass week. I am so stoked to bring to you guys this conversation with one of my dear, dear, dear friends and her story, her story is so beautiful and so empowering and I know you're going to take so, so, so much out of it. But before I get there, I have a really exciting announcement and I am so excited to share this with you guys. So make sure you stay on and listen to this part because it's going to change the game for you, especially if you are in a relationship, specifically if you are married or in a long-term relationship, keep listening. You guys remember if you listened to episode nine, if you didn't, you feel free to go back and take a listen um, with Rachel and Kyle Wright from the Wright Wellness Center. We talked all about communication and relationships, and Rachel and Kyle have been super, super integral in my own life and my relationship with my husband um, and navigating stuff because, you guys, as you know, relationships are take work and are, are tough, and we've never been taught about how to communicate, how to work through specific circumstances and tools in a way that is powerful. And that's why so, so, so many marriages and and just relationships are are ending. And there's a 50% rate of divorce right now, which if you're in a long-term relationship or in a marriage, you know how much it can be to, to do and how frustrating it can be when you don't understand the person that you are are with or why they're speaking to you in a certain way or or you're feeling unheard or you're going to bed and feeling like you're not connecting to that person or you're looking at other couples and relationships and feeling envious because you think that they have you know a better relationship or miscommunications turn into fights whatever it is and I'm so, so, so excited to be partnering up with Rachel and Kyle and sharing with you guys their really incredible program called Revive Your Relationship. It is a six-month intensive, you guys, but it is a way for you to be able to work outside of a quote-unquote traditional therapist um, space and have a system and a on-call experience with both of these guys. Rachel um, has had seven years of clinically trained. She's a licensed therapist. And Kyle is bringing all of his life experience and sharing these tools with what has helped their marriage and just in general, what is going to help you with strategies, working through your, your conversations and skills that we just weren't taught right in school. Um, and so this program is so, so, so insane. And so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about how it's broken down. There are five different phases that through the six months, um, they're going to be navigating. And the first phase is all going into the fundamentals of a healthy relationship. Um, you know, talking about solid communication skills, how to really make your relationship a priority and finding that clarity and intimacy, um, and then the phase two is all about creating your foundation. So specifically how you guys experience the world together, um, learning how the other person sees things and, and kind of the, the glasses they see the world through and getting to know yourself so that you can bring to that relationship. Because that, you guys, that is the hard work. That's the inner work. And they're going to walk you guys through that. 
And then phase three, um, they're going to be really sharing about how to better understand each other and and implementing like love languages, Meyer Briggs types, and how that can um, help you really, really navigate your relationship. And then phase four is all about communication and conflict management. So really learning how to fight fairly and all of that stuff so you can grow together instead of grow apart. And then phase five is all about your new sex life and how to really, really talk about sex in your relationship and sex ed and really, really like exploring that side of things because these are all things that are hard to talk about and that we don't talk about. And I'm so, so excited that there is a program out there like this. And I'm so thrilled that they asked me to come on board and, um, and be a part of it. So I'm really excited to be sharing this with you guys specifically um, and giving it to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life audience. Um, and so for all of the information um, and everything, you can check out um, all of the show notes. It'll be down there. So you either scroll down if you are listening on your phone or you can check it out at www.amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 21, which is today's episode info. And there'll be so much information there. You can check out everything that you'll be getting and also how to sign up for it. They do have payment plans and programs and all that stuff. So if you are in a place where you really want to take your relationship to the next level, I highly recommend considering doing this program because it's going to be a game changer and doors close you guys on the 25th of June. That's when they are kicking off this program. So it is a short window to snag your spot. Um, so if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, or if you are in our Facebook group, Rachel is in there as well. You can ask questions in there. Um, but really, really, you guys, I'm so excited and I'm really honored to be able to share this with you guys. Cause I think it's going to be such a game changer. So that is my big announcement for today. Um, also wanted to do a quick shout out for the review of the week. This is coming from iTunes and it is written by E-S-M-A-N-D-Y-C-H. Esmandich. I don't know how to say it, but um, they said, love the content and energy. I came across Amanda's podcast a few weeks back and I'm absolutely loving it. Her energy is so infectious and I love how she is so real and speaks from the heart. Oh, thank you so, so, so much. I It is my goal to just be as real as fuck with you guys all the time and hearing stuff like that um, makes me feel like I am doing doing what I set out to do and just being being myself and that it's it's coming across so beautifully for you guys as well. So I really appreciate that. Okay, let's get to it. So if you do not know Jen, you're about to fall in love. She is somebody that I have been dear friends with for a couple of years and I truly, truly, truly have never met a soul who is more giving and kind and with a story that is so impactful. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you today and to give you a piece of her heart. So for those of you who do not know Jen, she is a certified professional life coach, an educator and speaker from Chicago, and she helps women grow their passion work from the inside out. She's also the host of a podcast called First and Foremost, and it's all about giving you the tools to take care of you first. She's a badass self-care guru, but beyond that, um, we talk a lot about her upbringing and specifically her story growing up in foster care and her journey with her birth family and navigating moving into foster care. Um, and also we talk a lot about how to actually start the self-care process in our day-to-day lives and um, start our day with intention 
It's a very vulnerable episode and talks a lot about having the courage to voice your fears and your truth and and just really digging deep into what makes us who we are as people and and setting boundaries along the way and all sorts of really yummy, juicy things. Um, and I'm just so honored to have her on and for her to share this this story and that her story um, in just such an such a truthful and and vibrant manner. So without further ado, I'm going to just pass over the mic to Jen. And um, and yeah, here we go. Hey, Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, girl. I'm excited oh my gosh. to be here. I'm so happy you're here too. You guys, Jen and I have been like BFFs for life, it feels like, even though it's just been what? A couple years since we've known each other in real life. We met through the craziest of ways, of course, through Instagram. But it was actually through a course we were we were like a free course we were taking on building our businesses. And it was so, so crazy to find out that we both lived in the city and we met up for coffee and it just felt like instant soul connection. Um, I'm sure you guys have had that in your life where you just meet someone and you're like, okay, this is a soul person. And I've felt that way about Jen for the longest time. And what I what I love so much about Jen, and you guys are about to fall in love with her too, is she's like being around her, you feel like you're just having a warm hug. Like I've never met another person in my life who ha- just like immediately calms me down. You guys know I'm hyperactive. I'm hella always like up on up on the energy. And Jen's presence is just like the most lovely warm hug, like you're having a cup of tea experience. And so I'm just going to let you guys get to know her real fast. Um, but yeah, Jen, introduce yourself, share a little bit about your story. Cause it's, I mean, I know all, all the ins and outs of it, but like, I would just love to hear where you're at right now and kind of a little bit about your journey of how you've gotten here. Um, you guys, she's had such a whirlwind of a life and just to <laughs> see this presence and, and light, like arrive from everything you've been through. It just, it, it freaking astounds me every day, single day. So welcome, welcome. And yeah, introduce yourself, share a little bit about how you've gotten here. So everyone else can hear your amazing story too. Amanda, that was the sweetest thing. Thank you for that. I appreciate you so much. I, you know, it's a big question and it's mm-hmm. one that I will try to condense into like a cutesy little <laughs> podcast uh, time frame here. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess to like kick it off, I, you know, for people that, that I haven't had the joy of connecting with just yet, I would start by saying I'm a life coach and I, the, the work that I do now is really around helping creative women just grow their businesses from the inside out. So it's kind of like self-care with a business flair. Mm-hmm. And I became really passionate about self-care at a really, really young age. And I didn't even even know it at the time because it was just kind of like part of my being. And I just did what I needed to do to kind of like thrive and survive, so to speak. Mm. So when I was 13 years old, I was put into foster care. And the years that were leading up to that, I lived at home with my mom and my younger siblings. And things were just kind of slowly really starting to shift and and transform. And my mom struggled with addiction from, you know, some of my earliest childhood memories, like eight years old and onward. I remember that my life was really different from my friends. And 
things progressively started to kind of like get worse at home and we were eventually taken away from her. And I spent my teen years in various foster homes and, you know, it was a time where I remember feeling a lot of shame. I didn't want a lot of people to know that I was a foster child and I didn't, you know, want boys that I liked to know. And I didn't want my friends to know. And as I got older, I started to kind of like, just accept that that was part of who I am. And I really had this like little fire in me that, that wanted a certain life. Like I knew that I wanted to go to college and I wanted to try to make something of my life. And I wanted to have a family someday. And these were all things that I saw for my future, even when I was living with my mom and, you know, back at home with her, I always knew that I wanted a different, a different way. Like I just wanted it to be different. And Fast forward, I went off to college and I graduated with a degree in elementary education and went off to Spain and lived for a year and did some teaching there and and then came back and got my first teaching job and things things were finally like, oh, I made it. Like, you know, it was like that moment. I have arrived. (laughs) I've arrived, except it was the start of the hardest time of my life. It was harder than anything I experienced in my years living with my mom, with her drug addiction anything, it was harder than all the different foster homes I lived in and just, you know, feeling like I didn't belong. Like the journey of being on my own in my twenties was, was really, really, really a struggle. And I can now look back on it and, and really pinpoint what happened. I, I think the structure and the stability and the safety that I had in college you know, living in a dorm, living in an apartment, living in a house with my friends. Mm. I had created this, this space where I had a home. And now suddenly I didn't have like a landing space. I didn't have a spot to go back to that I felt connected to, that I felt like was my family. Mm. I had several different foster homes. I had, you know, these, these people in my life from my childhood. I had, I definitely will say that I had people around me but inside, I didn't feel like I had anyone. I felt very, very like isolated and alone. I didn't feel like I had, you know, that that anchoring space. And to kind of cope with it all, I started an eating disorder in my early, early twenties, and that went on for about four years. And as quickly as it started, I knew that it wasn't how I wanted to live my life, and I started to get help. And it was going through that period in my life that absolutely transformed how I started to really care for myself. I kind of was able to reconnect with that part of me in my youth that really had this like fire in her and really believed in my future and my, my, you know, life ahead of me. And in addition to that, I learned just so many tools for how to really care for myself, how to take care of my mind, how to set boundaries. And I really needed that at that time in my life because I had a lot of people that I wanted to keep close because what I realized was I was so afraid of not having anyone. I kind of welcomed in everyone. Mm -hmm. And what was happening was I was letting people kind of walk all over me and that was creating a lot of stress and it was creating a lot of overwhelm. And so eventually I finally, you know, learned, you know, different ways of caring for my heart and just really taking care of myself. And it was through that journey that I realized how afraid I was. And I realized how scared I was of not having the things that I wanted. And, you know, I also started to really like learn about what was holding me back. And once I set those boundaries and really started to implement the things that I was learning, 
you know, it's funny. I like opened my eyes to what was around me. And even though I was teaching and I really loved teaching, Mm -hmm. I realized that I was drained and I was tired and I was depleted and I had no time for myself. And I was kind of like in this like wheel and just the the wheel was turning and I was a part of it and I just wanted out. And it was during that time I learned about life coaching and it was, you know, just everything aligned. And in that moment, I knew that that's exactly, I mean, there's obviously way more to this story, but I just knew that that's the path that I wanted to take. And so I took the steps, you know, once I was at this space in my life where I was completely recovered from my eating disorder, I finally found freedom and I started to really explore the what next pieces of my life. And Mm -hmm that's when I became a life coach and I eventually left my teaching career and I started my own business. And I'm so grateful for all that because it just allowed me to, you know, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be coaching. I I wouldn't Mm. be doing any of this work. You know, it was, it took me kind of going through the hard knocks to really realize Mm. what a gift life is and that I was worthy of taking a risk and worthy of figuring out, you know, what really lights me up and, and that's the greatest gift of all. So I look back on that with nothing but love. I would give that girl the biggest, warmest, biggest hug because I know she was just hurting, hurting her little heart. And I know that people that are struggling, you know, that the struggle can be such a beautiful thing if you trust your journey to get better and you trust that it will, you you will land on the other side. I believe that there's a gift waiting for you at the end. So that's, that's my story in a nutshell. I, <laughs> there's a oh bigger, bigger piece there. I'm like <laughs> grinning from ear to ear. And also I just, I feel like what you just said about the struggle is so important. I feel like it's so easy as women going through it to, to see that, right. We're in it and we're experiencing the shit and, and fear and, and all of the, the, the mess. And Mm -hmm. while we're in it, it's like so frustrating and it can be overwhelming. It can be anxiety inducing. It can be a million different things. And I, I just love that you, you shared that because I think you're so right. Like I've, I've had so many experiences in my own life that have been really, really challenging. And at the time I didn't know if I was going to make it through like in, in one piece, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think, I think back and I think this is something that I, I so love about the way that you approach life is everything that you do, you, you see the gratitude of of it. You, you navigate every hardship with so much gratitude for what is Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on what isn't. And it's something that you've taught me that so strongly and something that I, I feel like I'm slowly working on really figuring that out. But I, I think for anyone who's going through something right now, who's listening, who's like, I don't know how it's going to get better, or I don't know how I'm going to be able to, to handle this in my life. Like there is so much joy and freedom on the other side, but going through the struggle is something that I believe is vital in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Like, I don't, I think you're right. Like, I don't think I would be where I am right now and have the courage and the confidence and, and be running my multiple businesses and just like doing this podcast, doing anything that I love. If it weren't for all of the shit that I went through, um, in order to know that I could be here. So I just love that so much. Yeah. And I think that there's, thank you for sharing that too, because I think that, you know, your transparency with, you know, opening up about your own struggles, I know is helping so many people. And I think, you know, one thing that, that I think, is something I want to kind of make clear about the work, you know, and, and especially with coaching, it's like, 
the beautiful piece is that you don't have to have gone through the trenches mm. to, you know, like to, to, to get where you want to be or to do yeah. the things that you want, you know, like you don't have to go through like, you know, just the soul crushing, like falling flat on your face type of experience. But the reality is, is that like all of us go through our, our own version of hard knocks, whatever they look like. Mm-hmm. And I think the key takeaway is like, to just trust that like, if you do the work and just keep showing up and putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, even on days when you feel like your, you know, negative self-talk is just like through the roof or whatever it is. Like if you, you know, whatever you've got going on around you, whether it's listening to this podcast or following somebody that is really inspirational or seeing a therapist or working with a coach or what reading a great book or going to a group therapy session, like whatever the things are Mm -hmm. to just trust that they're all laying little foundations to help you get where you want to be. And that's all part of that self-growth journey. So that's like my big takeaway is like, it's just like, so it's such a gift to know at the end when you can look back and go, yeah, that, that all paid off. But when you're in it, it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do? <laughs> am I yeah. ever going to get out of this space? No, you know? But that's so true because I think it's so easy. And I talked about this a couple episodes ago, you guys. So go back to one of my solo episodes about like, it's so hard to look at life and go, where do I start? You know, like, how do I even start taking care of myself? And I think that point you just made, it's like small, tiny things build up and they compound on each other. Like both of us are not where we're at right now because of one magical thing that got us here, right? (laughs) It's small daily actions that seem really simple, right? But they make such an impact over time. And so I know that that's something that you really preach a lot with your clients and, and, and in your own life, you practice it, which I think sometimes as coaches, we can often preach things and not practice them ourselves. And you're just <laughs> the epitome of, of making, of doing the things that you say and share. And I just think that's incredible. So what are some of the things that are very grounding for you that like some of those little habits that might seem like flippant, you know, and in the great scheme of things, but that have really empowered you to, to be where you're at right now? Well, I thank you for that. I appreciate that. And the thing is, is that I, I I guess to kind of kick it off, I would say that that's one of the biggest things that I love so much about this work is that it really does kind of call you to show up for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, as well. Like you got to take care of yourself to really be able to thrive and do it well. Um, I think what I've learned that is like foundational for me that I have to do in order to to just feel aligned. And we were kind of chatting about this, like very, very briefly, you know, before we, we really got into the, this episode It's just that it's so vital and key to do something that just is like a reset or like a, mm. a mental note, a mental nudge that kind of like checks in and tells you in your mind that you are worthy of caring for, Mm. that you are worthy of being cared for by you. And I think that can look like a myriad of things for various folks out there. But I think for me, that is being able to wake up when the sun rises, not by an alarm. Mm. It's being able to have a couple moments to snuggle my puppy and my husband and then go for a walk in the morning. And if it's nice out and if it's not, it's journaling. Mm. It's writing about what I'm deeply grateful for. It's 
thinking about some intention words to be grounding me throughout the day to kind of be mindful of as I go out and do my life. And it's drinking a big glass of water and nourishing my body and sitting down to have breakfast. Mm. That's been really key for me. You know, these are the little things that when you put it all together, it doesn't take a lot of time. It sounds like a magnitude of work. Like, I mean, I know just people out there listening that might not have a morning routine might be like, okay, that's great. Yeah. But my alarm goes off and it's time to go. Yeah, 20 minutes, I'm out the door. <laughs> 20 that's minutes, I I'm out the door. Five <laughs> minutes for me back when I was teaching, I would roll oh out God. of bed and throw my gym clothes on and boom. Crazy. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing. It's like, I've learned that, you know, and I that's a gift being able to do this work that I do is that I, I've set my schedule so that I can wake up when the sun comes up. Like I, that's just how I I've been able to operate through my business. But Mm. the reality is, is it really is just one thing that can be your reset every day. You know, for the years that I was struggling with my eating disorder, that reset thing for me was stretching first thing in the morning, Mm. making my bed, Mm. And, and like those two things were key, you know, making a bed, it was like, I'm worthy of being cared for. I like, so agree. My husband, Kevin, <laughs> he, he like could not care about a bed made. He's like, I don't get it. You get in it, you get out of it. And I'm just like, no, no, no. Like it feels like my day cannot start until my bed is made. I'm just so weird about that, but you're so right. It makes it feel so much more. Yeah. Like cared for, like you feel Like you've really started your day with intention. Yeah. And one of the big things that I do with self-care is I encourage, you know, everyone that I work with to make a self-care plan. And really all that is, is just getting out a piece of paper and writing out all of your self-care things. And it can be like the glitzy things like getting a manicure and taking a yoga class, but it can also be like those little simple things like making your bed and putting lotion on your body. Mm. You know, these are, you you know, you can kind of look at the big picture of self-care, but it's like, what are the foundational things to help you kind of align? So for me now today, it's a mix of aligning my body, you know, through drinking water and getting a walk and and just waking up slow Mm -hmm. with also getting my mind right. Cause that's a huge Mm -hmm. piece of self-care. And for me, that's journaling. It really meditation has been really big for me as well. And then, but those are like the the things that I would do to kind of kickstart my morning. And then there's a lot of other things I do throughout the day or throughout the week and whatnot that, Mm -hmm also just our great self-care check-ins, but I'd say those are the big ones. Can you touch more on your intention word stuff? Cause I think this is something that is so incredible and so simple and so easy to do for especially busy women and something that I've been implementing since you shared it with me and it's just transformed my life. So can you share a little bit more about that? Of course. And I'm so glad you're using it and that it's been aligning and working for you. So basically what I do is, you know, One of the biggest things is I offer myself relief of what I have going on by making the list. Mm -hmm. And we all have the to-do list, you know, like you just give yourself a moment to kind of do a check-in. Like I like to call it just like a total thought dump and I hate using the term dump, but that's exactly what it is. It's like, what is, you know, every little to-do that's on my brain that I need a release from, like I need to just get it off my chest. So I'll write every little thing down. And then I also take a moment and I look at, you know, based on that list, like, all right, now what are the top three things? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the big three that I need to like, I'd feel so, you know, refreshed and proud of to be able to knock off for the day. So I kind of then just set my sights on those three things. And 
in, in the process of doing this work, you know, each day I kind of look at my schedule, like what do I have going on throughout the day? So this is kind of like the daily routine, just like planning for the day, you know, exercise. So I'll look at, okay, I have, you know, a podcast recording with Amanda at this time. And then I have an acupuncture appointment. And then tonight I have dinner. I'm just giving you an example of what I have going on today. And I love that you asked this because right now, as we speak, I have my planner out and I have my three intention words written down. And what I do is I look at those things that I have going on throughout the day, whether they're on my top three or they're events that I have going on. And I think about what I'm needing for the day, because that's one of the big self-care questions I ask myself when I journal is I think, what are you needing today, love? Mm-hmm. And as I ask myself those questions, I think, okay, during these top three things and the events that I have going on, how do I want to show up? What do I need to remind myself, to ground myself and how I want to be throughout those experiences? And I think of a word for the, the three big events that or three big things that will just help ground me throughout the day. And so today I have truth is one of my intention words. Mm. And I thought about that with you. I want to show up with truth because I want to just speak what's on my heart and share what's true for me and meet you right where you're at and just speak some truth serums. Right. Mm. And then I thought about the rest of the day, you know, I have my acupuncture appointment and I also have dinner date with my husband scheduled I thought my other two intention words that I really want to help align me today is to have love and joy. I want to show up joyful and happy and just with filled with fun and, and just great spirits. And I also want to really sink into love. I really want that to be just transparent as I do the rest of the things today. So that's how I do it. You know, I just kind of think about, you know, the question, what am I needing today, love? And then I keep these intention words kind of at, you know, the mm. forefront of my mind just because they're simple, they're easier to remember. And I think before I show up, truth, you know, whatever the moment that. is. <laughs> I love that. You know, it's it's such a simple tool, but I think it's, it holds, you guys, it holds so much power because you have the opportunity in a five-second window to check in with yourself, genuinely ask yourself, what do you need today, love? Which I also love that you add love at the end because it's so Jen. <laughs> um, but, then, but then from there like genuinely showing up in your day with that energy because we have the power to choose our intention, our perception, the way we show up every day. Like we don't have to just take everything in and and react, right? We can be intentional. And I just think having that very small check-in can dramatically impact the rest of our days if we continue to come back and go, okay, hey, what were my three words today? Am I am I showing up that way? Okay, how can I show up in, in that way a little more? Um, and I just love that. So definitely if there's one thing you take away from our conversation today, like implement that tool because it's transformed my life and it's so simple. Um, but showing up in that way is just so key, you guys. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. And I, you know, just to add to it, I kind of created it because a lot of people, well, it was something I was doing for myself. So it wasn't even like I created it. It was just like I was doing it. It was something Mm -hmm. that I just like started doing for myself. But I realized it was a thing when several of my clients would ask me, well, how do you practice mindfulness throughout the day? Like when you're just doing life, like how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you do the check-ins? And I think this is just like a clean, easy way. And and it's not the easiest in the beginning, but over time it it becomes really easy because it's just the word that you're remembering. And if you can start to create a little bit of noticing 
like when you're, you're in these moments, like, okay, what was my intention word again? Like, and then you can kind of check in and just remind yourself like, okay, I'm showing up with this, this kind of energy right now. (laughs) And it's really powerful. I think when you have like a big event, like a meeting or a speaking event, or, Mm. you know, maybe something that you're a little anxious about, or it's just great to have a word to kind of ground you through those experiences. Okay. So speaking of, you said your word was truth. So what is your (laughs) truth today? Um, I think my truth is to just, I mean, for this podcast, it was really to just show up and be real and be authentic and not hold anything back. That's Mm -hmm. really all it is. It's just to align with what's real and to not be afraid. Mm -hmm. And I think I've been challenged to really think about that a lot lately because I've had some instances where people from my past have reached out to me and I'm talking like way back, you know, like when I was a kid (laughs) Mm. and I live a pretty private life aside from having an online business. You know, I share what I share, but I'm pretty private, you know, Mm -hmm. like I keep, I keep the details and the, the, you know, certain things are really just meant for me and my husband. And and I love that about the way that I am able to kind of do my, my life and my work. But I think, what I'm realizing is that I chose this path for a reason and I love it so much. I love being able to connect with people and I don't want my fear of, you know, somebody reading what I wrote or somebody that I'm maybe not ready to connect with reaching out or whatever to keep me back from speaking what is true for me. Mm -hmm. So that is part of my intention word. When I say truth, it's just to allow what's here to be here and to not feel like I have to push it down or hide or make it small, you know, that it's, it's what it is and, and I'm going to welcome it. (laughs) Yeah. Because there's so much power and vulnerability. I mean, I think we both are going through seasons of our life right now where we're dealing with stuff that's challenging. And I mean, you guys all know my journey this year with my health and and finding out that I'm BRCA positive has been a Mm. whirlwind. And I think it can be very, very tough to know what being brave. I I think the word fearless is a load of crap because we, Mm. we have fear every single day. I have fear every single day, you guys, about this, about a million other things in my life, about am I going to be successful or like all these goals that I've put at at the end of my vision board for this year are going to happen, you know, like, am I going to be able to have a, have a top 50, like iTunes podcast? Like that's one of my goals and I'm, I'm working on building that. And it's like, there's always fear. There's always that inner voice. But I think if there's anything I've learned, at least for myself this year, it's that sometimes it's important to not um, make your shit public when you're going through it and you're not ready to share or if it deal, if it, you know, if it has another person that it, that it implicates and, and you've made a decision that that's not the right path. But this, this journey has been so impactful for me personally this year because I am going through it and I'm sharing as I go. And it's the first time that I've, I felt courageous enough to do that and to show up with just here I am like this is my this is what I'm dealing with right now I'm mm-hmm. scared I don't know what's going to happen I don't know how this is going to make me feel but this is where I'm at and yeah you're right like it, there's that fear of people coming in to that process and and hearing what your words like hearing your your vulnerability and and seeing your posts 
or hearing your podcast episodes about it and reaching out. But I've found like so many of you guys have reached out about your own personal experiences, either with cancer or, or having the women in your life that have had cancer and it's making you think about getting tested yourself. And it's just been so overwhelming in such a beautiful way. And I don't know, it's just, it's felt more and more like, okay, sharing my truth and being vulnerable in the moment in this instance has felt so empowering. And so I just love that you shared that because I think, yeah, I think it can be really, it's, it's tough to know when to share, especially when you're in a public, more public space, like we are living, it's really tough to know when to share those things. And even in life, like it's tough to know Mm -hmm. when to talk to your friends about things or, or or bring it up in in a more public setting. It's so easy to just let things live inside instead Mm -hmm. of allowing them to be our truth and share that because we're, we're fear, we're, we're scared of rejection. We're scared of, of not being understood. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you coming out and sharing about your experience, I mean, it's so, so inspiring and encouraging and such a reminder, like a very gentle reminder to be really proactive about our health and to really take charge and and to get answers if that's what we're wanting, you know? And I totally agree with you about, you know, just kind of knowing where you're at in your own walk with things. And just because you might have you know, a goal to be online more, or maybe it's part of what you do, you know, to, to have somewhat of an online presence. And even if you're not online, maybe it's just like in your personal life and you're going through something and you're maybe just sharing with like a small, small circle of people, Mm. maybe not your whole circle. I think it's all okay. You know, it's all part of, you know, again, what are you needing today? Love? Like if you need a little privacy and you need some time for you, And that means, you know, being hush hush about certain things as you're going through it, that's completely your prerogative. Like, you know, reminds me of that Bobby Brown song right there. That's my prerogative. prerogative. (laughs) (laughs) I also like the Britney version of that, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's just so important. I think to just know where you're at with things because I I don't know. Like I've realized some people get uncomfortable when people share all the details. You know, I have friends Mm -hmm. who I have friends who I know don't like to follow certain Instagram accounts because they, it like, it it causes something in them to react and like feel uncomfortable, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. like, not my thing. And I think it's all information for us, you know, like doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just information. It might mean that you're maybe a little bit more guarded and private about things. So when people are super open and transparent, it might trigger something in you. Mm. And if you need a safety guard there to kind of protect yourself, that's totally cool. I know people who are super drawn to folks that are open and transparent because it's a goal of theirs. They want to push themselves to be able to share more. I think it just depends on what you're needing. There are certain things in my life that I, you know, will absolutely talk about very freely with my circle, but because they do involve other people in my life, it's like, it's not really consumable information for my audience, you know, and that's okay. Like those are the little things that I think make us feel human. You know, we don't have to share every little detail that we're going through in life. I think that that's just, you know, as a human being who cares about, you know, yourself, you've got to protect certain pieces of your life. And I think that's normal. Mm. What would you say to someone who is going through something really tough 
um, and don't feel like they've feel very alone in, you know, like in the experience and, and haven't voiced it to anybody, nobody in their life, friend, like spouse, family member, anybody. Um, because I know this is something that I personally experienced when I was knee deep in my binge eating, like even my, my now husband did not know I was Mm -hmm. doing it behind doors. Literally nobody in my life knew about it. And I felt so alone. And so I, I, I feel like there's, it's this weird balance of, of, you know, especially because we live such public lives now. Right. So it's like, okay, that's different. But for somebody who doesn't and is going through something really tough, like what would you say to them in terms of, of how to, how to navigate that and, and being able to, to voice what their truth is? Because I personally feel like if I had had somebody I, I talked to about it, I would have felt a million times less alone. But in the, in the moment I was just so scared of judgment and so scared, mm-hmm. honestly, to admit it to myself um, mm-hmm. that I was even going through that. So what would you say to someone who might f- be feeling in that in that space, too? Yeah, I think the first piece is like to notice the point in which you're ready to admit it to yourself, because you have to first admit it to yourself before you can admit it to anyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have to have a point where you recognize that there's something that's, that's either hurting you or harming you or keeping you small or holding you back, whatever it is. And we think if you're at that point and and you have, you know, become aware of that, that you want help, that you do want to share it with somebody. I think the key is identifying a really safe person, you know, somebody that you feel just absolutely connected to and safe with that, you know, you can share that with. And I think that's the first step. And, and, and I don't want to overwhelm anybody with anything more. I think that is literally mm-hmm. the first step. You just tell somebody that you know, you know, is a safe person to share. Yeah. Can be somebody in your life. For me, it was my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. Um, for you, you had a very similar walk, Amanda, it sounds like. And I think that we just have to identify like who our key people are and share it with the one person we feel safe with. And from there, you can open it up to, maybe a few more people that you feel really safe with. But Mm. my suggestion would be if you're really going through the trenches with something that's very, very serious would be to, to definitely reach out to a therapist. I think that's, you know, I am such an advocate for that. I still have a therapist who I meet with one to every two months. She's so vital in my self care. Mm. I have a coach. Like these are things that are just part of how I take care of me. And I think there's never you know, yes, there could be a marker of a moment where we're like, I need help. Like I need to talk to somebody, but for anyone listening that maybe isn't going through something, I say like, if you're not meeting with a therapist, like maybe check that out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I think it's just such a big part of, you know, again, kind of like when you were sharing about your experience with the BRCA gene, let's be proactive about our health and not reactive. Yeah. So, you know, our mental health is the same. How can we be proactive about it? What can we do to just have somebody in our network who's there for us to unload and to unwind when we need both, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a gift that we can give ourselves. Love that. Okay. I want to pivot for a little bit because I know that your story and specifically your past surrounding foster care is obviously a huge part of your life, but also something that is very present in your life right now because you're writing a book all about your journey. Um, so can you share a little bit about what inspired you to, to really 
make this public and, and, and talk about this part of your life. I know you're such an advocate for foster care. And I just think you're the first person in my life that I've ever met who has been through that system. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I don't think is talked about enough. And I just Mm -hmm. think it's so empowering that you are bringing this message forward. So yeah, like what inspired you to, to share your story around that? So it's kind of twofold. Um, it really hit home for me when my husband and I moved into our house because I found this box of journals that I had when I was a little girl. Mm. And inside this box were, I mean, years upon years upon years of my like little musings and reflections of what it was like, you know, being at home with my brothers while my mom was out on a drug binge and I didn't know where she was, you know, or staying home from school for days to take care of my brothers or what it was like, you know, in my first foster home walking in with my like garbage bag of things and, you know, not knowing what's next. So I had all these memories and, and written throughout in several entries, I wrote, I want to write a book someday. You know, as a young, young girl, I knew that like I it's interesting because like I think I think what I wrote was my life feels so crazy that I could write a book someday. <laughs> it's like something <laughs> like that, you know, and um, I just I think as a woman who's in my young 30s, I'm 33 years old, I am at a point where I think about being a mom and I think about fostering and I think about what my future looks like and for me, it just feels like the time to share about the relationship between a mother and a daughter in this way. And the one thing that is really, you know, a part of my story is that even though, you know, the, the, the I guess the overarching message or, or whatever you might call it, the theme is that all I ever wanted was for my mother to be there. I wanted my mom there on my prom day taking photos. I wanted my mom there when I got my period. I wanted my mom there when I had my first boyfriend. Like all I ever wanted was my mom. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was that she was always there. My mom's spirit and my mom's love and my mom's heart is a part of me. It's always there. And that is a love that I felt from her, you know, even despite her neglect and going away and, and leaving us alone. I always knew that my mom loved me. That was never a question Mm. because she was very forthright with her love. She would hug us and kiss us and tell us she loved us. There was never a question of that. And what I want my book to convey to readers is that children need love Mm. and we need to feel that love from a very young, tender age. And I want to show that through the bond between a mother and a daughter, even when they're broken apart. And so I think that, you know, part of why I'm so passionate about foster care and, and just, sharing about it. You know, this is, as we're recording this episode, it's National Foster Care Month. And, you know, it's, it's just really important to me to inform people about this path to parenting. You know, I think it's a gift, you know, and there's so many kids out there that need love. There's so many kids out there that, you know, come into the system at eight years old and 15 years old, it's 17 years old as an infant. And they're thrust into a life without a family. And some of these kids end up in group homes. It's like our modern day version of an orphanage. And, you know, I just think that if if we are in a space in our lives where we can somehow, whether it's talking about it, creating conversation around it, or, 
you know, doing something, actually getting out there and volunteering or being a part of the system or fostering or whatever it is Mm -hmm. like that is. And and through me, for me, it's writing this book, you know, it's, it's being able to share this story to, to just shed light on, you know, just how all of these pieces, when they come together can really save a child, like really, really, really save a child. And there were some really highs and some, some serious lows in my journey in foster care, but I'm grateful because without it, I don't think I'd have the life that I have today. You know, there's no way. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a kind of driving force, I think for writing this book. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I I think it's so interesting that you share that there were some, you know, positives and some lows through the, through the journey, because I feel like in the media, foster care is so often, um, represented in a very negative way. Um, and you see kids like getting take, taken advantage of with all these foster homes they're in. And so I'm curious as uh, from your experience, at least, obviously you can't speak for anyone else who's been through this process, but has, was the process of leaving, you know, your, your home and your mom, um, like a positive one for you would like, how did that go once you (laughs) entered the system and then obviously aged out of it? Yeah. So it's compounded because I lived in a few different foster homes and there was one foster home that I lived in that it's interesting because when I first was brought into their home, it was like a dream. They had a house. I always wanted a house. They had, I had a bedroom, even I shared it with another foster girl, but I was like, Ooh, I I have a bedroom. I have a pretty like floral comforter on it. And I have sheets Mm -hmm. on the bed and I have posters of boys, like celebrity crushes (laughs) that I like. And I, there was a phone I'll never forget. There was a working phone in the house Mm -hmm. and it just felt like such a gift at first. I was, and, and it was such a like, crazy juxtaposition because at the same time, I only wanted to live with my mom. I was so broken from that. So it was like on one end, I wanted to be with her, but I wanted things with her. I wanted to have a a home. I wanted to have, you know, a pretty bed. And, you know, I I remember there was a period I had lice, Amanda, for like six months, you know, like I was pulling like bugs out of my hair in school. I remember that I was, and this is stuff I get into in my book. You know, there's a myriad of things, but it's like, in one sense, it was like, I finally had the things that you just crave as a preteen, you know, as an 11, 12, 13 year old, you, 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 I finally had so much of that. But at the same time, I didn't have anyone telling me that they loved me. I didn't have anyone giving me the warmest hugs. I didn't have like, freedom to just open the fridge whenever I wanted because there was a lock on it <gasps> could only take you know a you know two minute shower there a couple a times lock a week on your fridge y- yes and there's a myriad of things that I could go into but it's like on one end you think you know this is a really beautiful experience you can see the joy in it and then but now looking back like I can see you know, this is a home that had a lot of different foster kids. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just me and my brother. It was, you know, a girl who was 16 and pregnant who ran away one night that lived with us. And there was another girl who was fleeing from a guy who brought her here from Mexico. And we were all worried about if he was going to find her. And Mm -hmm. there's like all these stories of these kids that come into the home. And I have no idea why they lock the fridge. But all I know is I went into a home where our fridge was locked and it it was awful, you know, like I hated that. But looking back as a 33-year-old now, knowing how foster care is, 
maybe there's a reason why they lock that door or that fridge door. I have no idea, but I can tell you that it just was different. You go into a home thinking, here's your new family, but you don't feel like you're part of the family. Mm. And that just continued. The next home I went into was like a dream. It was in a wealthy, wealthy neighborhood. This house was like atop a hill, had so many bedrooms. I had my own room that felt like a mansion. I had my own big queen size bed. They had an intercom system in the house and a BMW in the driveway. Like it was unlike anything I ever experienced in the world. And within a year we were ripped away from them again as well. And I go into my book, why that happened and what, you know, the, the specifics, but that was devastating to me because this was a home that I really, it was a time when my goal with my mom started to shift. It was no longer to return home to her. So they were thinking about adoption and this was a family I really wanted to be with. And the final home that I went into was, you know, it was with an older woman and I was really excited to live with her at first because all I ever wanted was a grandma figure in my life. And I finally (laughs) felt like I got her and she was really sweet at times. She was really warm and loving, but there were also times where she was really manipulative and really, um, cold. I remember. And she had a daughter who lived with her, who was really, really mean to me. I remember. And again, these are all my opinions and my experiences, but I remember her like making oink oink noises when I would eat. And she would tell me that I would get fat and, you know, here I am a teenager starting to become more aware of things like that. And it just really took a hit on my self confidence. I remember. And over the years living with that particular home, my self-talk got really loud and negative. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that was really the start of the years leading up to when I would suffer from my eating disorder. Um, But in in that particular family, I remember trying so hard to fit in and feeling like it was never enough. You know, there were always just moments where I just felt like they didn't really want me there and Mm -hmm didn't really, you know, really care that much about me, to be honest. I think it was, it oftentimes felt like it was just a paycheck and that I was just kind of like, you know, sent to live in their basement. Cause I was, <laughs> I lived yeah. in their basement and, um, it's, it's hard, you know, you feel really alone and you feel like you don't really belong anywhere and you feel like you've got people around you, but do you really have them? You know, it's like this, this really strange feeling growing up, feeling like you're really alone, like you really don't have your people. And you also get separated from your biological family. And over the years I started to, it really dwindled. I had like very limited contact with anyone. And so, yeah, that was, that's my experience in a nutshell again. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. Than yeah, that. of course. But Yeah. I mean, wow. Like, I just think, I thank you, first of all, for just sharing that so openly. And I look forward to reading all of the the beautiful and hardships and all the things once your book is officially on, on the docket. Um, but I just think, I just think that being so transparent and open about that is so incredible. And I also just want to honor you for, everything you have created in your life. I'm like getting emotional because I love you so much, but everything you've created in your life since that, since that experience, like I I think you're so right. Like I know we talked about this earlier in the episode, but 
you know, all those things that you faced have created who you are today. And you have built a life that is so loving and so warm. And you found your family and like created this beautiful home. You guys, you should see her house. It's my dream house and I want it. (laughs) I'm I'm always joking with her. I'm like, can I just come and live in your house or maybe like take some photo shoots in your kitchen, (laughs) which I will be doing. Um, But it's just, you know, you've built that for yourself and and I think it's some, it's actually something I've been thinking a lot about in life and in my own life lately is this, this need for comfort. Um, and there are some people in my life who very close to in my life who, um, did not have that growing up at all. It was always very erratic and a lot of moving. And I feel like you can relate to this so much. And that's not something I personally experienced at all. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm in this place in my life where I'm like all about taking risks and, and, and the comfort factor is not really important to me. Right. Like, I'm just like, here we go. I live my life so comfortable. I lived in this bubble for so long and I want to like explode from that now. And it's a reflection of what I'm doing in my life. And then, you know, like um, my husband is like the complete opposite. And I feel like you can relate to that so much. So, do you feel like your your journey as a as a young you know woman and child have really impacted your your goals and the way you live your life now because I feel like you've just you've built this this life of comfort and love mm-hmm. in such a powerful beautiful way that's so it seems like it stems from that but I'm curious to hear your thoughts Definitely I think there've been markers throughout my life that have taught me what I want and what I don't want. Mm -hmm. And I've had instances where I've seen people thrive and have the kind of life that I thought, you know, looked really wonderful. And I've seen instances where people, in my opinion, had wonderful, beautiful things, but they were miserable and so unhappy. And coming from where I grew up, I was really happy. I loved living with my mom. I knew that my mom needed help, but you know, aside from certain experiences, for the most part, it was just what I knew and I never questioned it. So going through the years in foster care where I could see some families had everything I, um, you know, materialistically that I wanted, but they were so miserable and unhappy. And then there were other families that, you know, were, were really content with what they had and, and didn't seem to judge and, and want more or less, you know? And so I think all of that coupled with becoming an adult and learning how to keep certain people close without having them eat up all my emotional energy Mm. was really, really powerful for me in getting where I wanted to be. Because, you know, one thing that I, I will share here on the podcast that is a somewhat private thing is that, you know, when I was initially reconnecting with my mom in my 20s, when I was in college still, you know, there was a time where my mom would tell me that she couldn't pay the electric bill and was really struggling. And if I would give her, you know, give her my credit card number so she could pay the bill. And, you know, what do you do with that information? You know, you're 20 years old and your mom needs to pay her electric bill. Otherwise her heat's going to go off. Like it was devastating to me. And I had to, I had to really set like some serious boundaries. I had to say like, look, I love you. I'm here for you. But when you tell me these things, it causes me to worry about you. And I cannot have this kind of relationship with you. So I learned at a really young age to set hard boundaries. And that's translated into setting 
smaller boundaries, you know, with people that, that aren't asking me for big things like that. And really it's not that big, right. When you think about it, but it's like over time when people are sharing and dumping all their emotional distress on you, Mm -hmm. you eat that up, you worry about it. Yeah. And I learned, you know, at a very young age that it's possible to have relationships with people who I love so dearly and to have joyful connections with them, but to set boundaries. I don't know if any of your listeners are fans of The Real Housewives, but there's The Real Housewives of Potomac. And the girl Ashley on there is like having a relationship issue right now with her mom. Her mom is like, you know, a little backstory. Her mom is essentially like living off of her and her husband mm. and her and her husband pay for her mom's bills and all this stuff. And her husband really wants her to put her foot down and say no. Yeah. And this woman, Ashley is like, but I, it's my mom. Like I have to take care of her. And mm. I want to jump through the screen and be like, girlfriend, if you set a boundary here, your relationship with your mom is going to be so much better. Yeah. Trust. And that's what I've learned, Amanda. I've learned that taking care of myself. And this is a huge part of what I do now, you know, helping women take care of themselves is such a gift because when we do that, when we take care of ourselves in a loving way, and we don't see it as, you know, we're not nurturing, we're not being kind. Because a lot of times we don't set the boundary because we're judging ourselves. We think that it's Mm -hmm. bad. And when we can step away from labeling things as good and bad, and we can just look at it as a, a purely beautiful way of taking care of ourselves, we have the opportunity to really step outside and do some really, you know, fantastic stuff with our lives. And I will say for me, becoming a life coach was one of the best things I've ever done because I started to work on my limiting beliefs. I started to Mm -hmm. think about the things that were holding me back. And it was doing that work that allowed me to see that I had some thoughts that were really keeping me very small. You know, I was thinking like, if I have anything nice, other people are going to think that I think I'm better than them. I always tell Mm. that story because that came from a time when I lived in foster care where I had a foster mom who was like, you know, those hoity toities, you know, think their shit doesn't stink. She would say that literally when somebody with a nice car would roll up to our house, you know, Mm. coming over a social worker or something like that. And I started to really develop this very serious, strong fear that, oh my gosh, if I have anything nice, People are going to think that I think I'm like a bitch that, or not that I think I'm a bitch, but they're going to think I, I'm a bitch, you know, they're yeah, going to yeah, think yeah. I'm like some hoity-toity woman. And I just remember feeling like so terrified of that. You know, my people pleaser was like, yeah. ah, and I realized once I started to do, and that's one example of so many other thoughts, but it was like, once I started to do thought work around my finances, around what I wanted with my environment, my home, my traveling, my relationship, like all the different areas I have. I mean, I remember when I first did these goals about like four years ago, I had this like 10 year plan of what I would do. And I built this house of my dreams within like three years. Like it was, we figured out a way and we did it. And I look out and it's my dream kitchen. And it's like, my husband is the most amazing man in the world. And, you know, just the little things in my life that feel so grand and big, like I know wouldn't be what they are if I hadn't done some of that work to feel like I'm worthy of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it's not a judgment of me. It doesn't, it's not a reflection. It doesn't mean anything about me, you know, and, and it's none of my business. What other people think of me. That's the other big lesson. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. A million times. None of my business. And that's really been really helpful because here's the deal. I can't control what somebody Mm -hmm. else thinks about me. I'll never be able to do that. And at the end of the day, if they're not celebrating, cheering me on, 
walking this walk with me, then sayonara. See you later, my friend. <laughs> like, I wish you well. I want the best for you. But if you can't walk and be joyful with me, then I don't think we should walk together. You know, that's been yes, a big yes, gift yes. in my life as well. I as so <laughs> resonate. I feel like, I mean, you know, like I've had so many experiences where I've just had to say, I'm sorry, this is no longer gonna like with, with respect. I, I think you're a good person, but I just don't know if we're a good fit anymore. And it's, it's so mm-hmm. funny because I know we both have long history of, of, of really, really crappy inner shit talker who just spouts all oh, yeah. these people, you know? And for me, my biggest fear, I remember, oh my gosh, so vividly. I was, it was right before we were getting married in 2015. It was the summer before And I was introducing you as an actor, you get introduced to a new cast all the time. And I was introduced to this new cast. And I remember feeling like I had to put on this face so that people would like me because my biggest fear was that people would not like me or not understand my intention. Um, because I was weird, you know, and, and, and there were very few people that I felt like I could just be me around. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're right, like doing this inner work that our, our, respective jobs have thrust us into (laughs) has been such a gift because all of the the light that I spent so many years dimming to try to quote unquote Mm -hmm. fit in really just led me to relationships and situations that were not impactful and not joyful and and not like really truly like allowing me to be me and Mm -hmm. the past year I've I've worked through and been able to really release those things and like this is me 110 percent like the light is is here and if you can't get (laughs) with the light like I'm okay with that because you're just I I say this all the time and I tell all my clients this is like okay they're not your person they're not your people if they if they're gonna unfollow you on social media they're not your people if they're you know not gonna be able to like get with your goofy weird faces they're not your people. And Mm -hmm. I just think that that is so, I think that is so empowering. And I think if you're, if you're currently going through something in your life or or having a relationship with someone where you feel like you just have to put like show up as this different you and you, you just feel really like, Oh my God, like, here we go. I'm putting on this Amanda face and it's going to be fine. You know, um, just, just get curious about that and, and take note. And, and really, really ask yourself, like, is this a relationship or is this a circumstance that is, is allowing me to thrive? Because if it's not, you know, you are allowed to release those things. You do not mm-hmm. have to hold on to them. And yeah. I'm giving you permit. We're giving you permission to do that. Yes. You know, this morning I wrote an email to somebody who recently reached out and asked me to, to meet up with them. And, um, I'm not going to give any more information, but Essentially, it was, again, somebody who I haven't seen in a really long time. And I just, I knew that it was not something that was going to be really, um, I think, healing for me or positive for me. I thought it was going to stir up a lot of things more than kind of close up some things and, and, and be, you know, a positive experience. And I had to write a hard email, but it was, it was through love and it was, you know, with warmth all over it, because Mm -hmm. here's the deal. It's like, again, the boundary isn't about the person necessarily. It's about, you know, checking in with what we need and, and being okay with giving ourselves what we need. And I think when we do that from a space of love, people can receive it with love. You know, they know that you're not, you're not just being like a hard ass and saying like, you can't, you know, 
you can't meet up or you can't it's because it's not about that, but it's just about protecting your, your mental space. Yeah. And I think that's really what it boils down to is like, okay, emotional mental space. How can we protect that? Yeah. And it's a constant work in progress. You guys, like I am not perfect at setting boundaries. It is something I'm endlessly working on. So, but even just having in the cognizant ability to sit down and go, okay, what are my boundaries? Like, what are the things that are important to me? What am I not willing to allow space for in my life or what is energetically important to me? I think when we get clear on those things, we can more aptly actually make those choices versus just constantly being this like energizer bunny running around and trying to do everything for everyone else. So Mm -hmm. I love that. All right. We're going to do some fun ending questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I love it. (laughs) Who is your favorite character from a movie? Oh, Drop Dead Fred. Wait. Does anyone know who that is? No. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's the best. He's from like a 19, early 1990s movie, but he just look him up. You'll see his pancake face and it's joyful. Oh Drop my God. I love yeah. that. I will definitely. And I'll put that in the show notes for you guys too so you can see. Okay. Favorite Please. wellness ritual that you've been rocking in your day-to-day lately? Meditation for sure. Mm. Do you it's use been, an app? I do. I use the Calm app. It's been – I love the Calm app because you can – check. again, I love to check in and just go, mm-hmm. what are you needing today? And I like that you can kind of choose – from a selection of things like today I need grounding today. I need self-resilience or I need self-care. You can choose yeah. a category and then pick your topic. I love that app too. It's the one I use. So I love mm-hmm. that. cool. Okay. <laughs> if you could teleport anywhere right now, where would you go? I would go to my husband's office oh, and tell him I love him. That's adorable. Right now. Stop. <laughs> I, that's really, that's the only place I'd want to be. Oh, I love that. Does he, he works in the city Yeah. right now? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He does. I, tra- I know he travels a lot. So yeah. I'm just telling you what comes to mind immediately. That's what came to mind. No, I love that. My heart just yeah. went, but boom, <laughs> you guys didn't see what I just did, but it was a pretty epic heart bouncing out of the chest <laughs> motion. So you wish you were here. All right. All right. And the last question, what does it mean to you to live a fuck yes life? Oh, it means taking risks mm. and going after what lights you up that's what it means to me. It means saying yes to the, the little whisper, the thing that tells you to go and to try and to do and to be, and to do it without fear. Mm. And, and the fear will be there, but to push past the fear and do it anyway. Mm, Lovely. Love it. Okay, cool. All right. I adore you so much for all of the pod squad. (laughs) You guys, that's what officially calling you guys. So get with it. But for all of the pod squad who's listening, um, where can they connect with you? You guys, Jen has an amazing, amazing podcast that is all about putting yourself first. Um, and just like she shares so many incredible tools, has great, great people on there also online, all the things. So where can they reach out and connect with you on the webs? Well, thank you for just all that. This has been great to chat with you today too, Amanda. Love, love, love you. Um, for any of you out there that want to connect and say hello, I'm on Instagram at Jen Willie. It's just J-E-N-W-I-L-L-E. And then also my podcast is called First and Foremost. And it really is just all about giving you tools for self-care so that you can take care of you first. I love it. Awesome. You guys make sure to connect with her and, um, all of those will be in the show notes as well. So check them out there. And thank you so much, Jen, for coming on. You are the dreamiest and I adore you so much. Oh, likewise, girl. Love you. Thank you. Bye. And there you have it. 
Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the podcast and for all of the stuff we talked about today. Make sure you check out the show notes and head over to www.amandacatherineloy, that's Catherine with a K, dot com forward slash podcast forward slash 21. Or you can just scroll down and check out the show notes there um, and connect with Jen. Say hey and let us know in the community how you loved today's podcast and episode jen is in our community on facebook our live your fuck yes life pod squad um and so i'm sure she would be thrilled to answer any questions you guys have either about foster care or self-care or any of that and yeah i hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week and i will see you next week on the flip side bye